calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. There it is. It's Friday morning, y'all. Welcome as we're recording this. Welcome to our show. We're very excited to jump into a lot of things going on in the world of geekery we've got some uh, warner brothers news to drop we've got some conversations to be had over some fun trailers and uh, some uh, diving in deeper into the ahsoka stuff some uh, some uh, arguments issues have popped up this week about the show and we're going to address all of that stuff uh, here and who knows where else we're going as you know we love to go on our tangents and uh, go off on each other but uh, we're gonna have some fun on this friday episode of the geek buddies uh, but let's introduce ourselves i am the outlaw john roker writer producer and host here on the geek buddies i am michael vogel i'm a writer and producer of animated tv shows and movies and this is shannon mcclung i'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can see some of our current work right now every weekend on youtube with the third season of Strawberry Shortcake: Barry in the Big City. Ooh, are you liking? Are you liking the third season? Like, what can you what can you tease about the third season? What can we tease about that? We got a you new guys villain? open a restaurant. Do you guys open a restaurant in that one? Is there? Is there... Uh, no, uh, you know, Strawberry Shortcake still working at the Barry Works. Brand new okay. villain, Crab Apple Jam has come in. She's taking things over at the Barry Works. Uh, she's got two assistants, uh, Cheese Strudel and Cherry Strusel. Shannon McClung was very excited about them. And uh, you know what? Strawberry Shortcake is still trying to make it. Uh, bake all her dreams come true. Be the best baker in the world. And uh, she's working at it, but not making it easy for her. Got a lot of things going on. <laughs> what do they eat in Berryland? Like, if they can't have jelly, because that's like chickens eating chickens, right? So what do you all they're eat? Not they're not actually they're not berries. <laughs> they're not made of berries. They are people. They're humans? Yeah. Have you not seen Strawberry Shortcake? Do you I've seen Stra- Shortcake? I always thought they were berries, like who came to life. That's what I thought no. of Strawberry Shortcake. They are, um, as someone who's had this conversation many times, oh, um, they are not oh. made of food. Ooh, ooh, ooh. They are not yeah, okay. food people. Uh, yeah. They grew up in a world and a culture that was very inspired by oh, food, sweets, and baking. So all of their culture, holidays, gotcha. traditions, architecture are all inspired by foods and baking. Their naming conventions are inspired by foods and baking, but they are not actually made of sugar and spice and all things nice. They have bones and organs and muscles just as we do. Wow. And Johnny, there are literally 80 episodes of this show that we've done. It's almost like you haven't seen any of them. Yeah, I know. It's weird. <laughs> I'm going to go through Shannon's uh, search engine and see how many other Outlaw Nation shows he's watched 
over the last four years I've been around. Sir, and we'll compare. We'll sir, compare. Are we, are we are we really going here with my love of the top ten? I know, that's, <laughs> with that's a fair point. My that's, love of the that's cinephiles. Not, no, that's a fair point. Fair point. No. Oh we should boy. sit down and spend an hour and watch fifteen episodes over an hour. You're right. That's a fair point. I mean, I just wanted I to mean, know. Can I have they're four minutes long, John. <laughs> they're four minutes long. It's not. It is not. It is not a big time investment for you to support your fellow buddies. No, listen, I'm just you're saying. Right. No, I do support you guys. Sometimes I'll leave it on as a view on Netflix while I'm doing other things, but I should watch it. Uh, it's I will tell you what, though. Maybe, maybe what is more your speed are the four 44 minute CG specials that are coming on Netflix later this year and early next year. Nice um, much like Ahsoka, it's great mm-hmm. for you to watch the shorts ahead of time, but not required. Oh, that's good. That's good. Like Clone Wars. I don't you have can to watch just Clone dive Wars right in. Yeah, fair. I like it. Oh, well, we're going to get into that as well. Uh, but anyway, all right. Let's, uh, let's, uh, the way the show works is each of us brings up a geek news item and we talk about it amongst ourselves. Um, this uh, particular episode, usually we do three geek news items and a, uh, take a break and then do a big main topic. But this week, there wasn't much going on. There is stuff going, but not much going on. So we're just going to do three topics and just have extensive conversation with each of those topics. So the first one is uh, the big news that uh, dropped yesterday uh, uh, for for Warner Brothers. They are pushing Dune 2 uh, due to Legendary's insistence that they push it to 2024. Uh, They are moving the um, Lord of the Rings animated film. I'm not going to try to say the title of that, Arrowheem or something. They're moving that to December of 2024 and um they're not moving wonka they're not moving the color purple they're not moving shannon's most anticipated dc movie aquaman 2 <laughs> they are keeping those still in december of 2023 this year all within 10 days of each other they're going to release all three of those films um and this of course comes on the heels of more updates on the strike the amptp and wga Going back and forth here, WGA accusing the AMPTP of bad faith actions by releasing their proposals. Apparently, there had been some handshake agreement that neither side was going to release proposals in the media. But maybe AMPTP, sensing that they were losing the narrative and PR war here, released their proposals. But Deadline came out with an article pointing out that this would cost the studios. What WGA is asking for would cost the studios an average of 0.18% of their annual profit to pay the writers what they're asking for. So, and then apparently Bob Iger was in the room here for the negotiation and lectured, according to a number of the GA, WGA people who were there in the room, lectured the WGA about uh, this is a great proposal and they need to accept it. So this feels like we are in a second, um, it's like we're rebooting the strike all over again. This feels like it's going to be longer. And the moving of Dune 2 feels like this is one of the first uh, kind of signs that shows you this is going to be going for quite some time still. So, Michael, I go to you. Your thoughts on the moving of Dune 2 and your thoughts overall on what you sense is happening out in those strike streets. Well, I think what's most interesting is that they moved Dune 2, but they didn't move other things. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like, all right, well, what's really like, what are the reasons behind this? And I think and I could be completely wrong on this, but it seems to me that there are people that really loved Dune. And there are a lot of the first one. And there are a lot of people that were like, it's a slow movie. And I think what they're feeling with Dune 2 is you really want all of those stars. I mean, Dune has a lot of star power to it. Yes. And I think you really want every single one of those stars just out there promoting the shit out of that movie. And I think they were like, I don't think Dune 2 coming out with no PR and no promotion is a great idea. I think let's... Push that one down. Whereas Color Purple and Wonka, hmm. Christmas releases, there's not a ton going on. People are home. One, but actually not one, both are musicals. It, yeah. Both have that holiday. Like there is sort of a, those are movies that I think your average movie go, like your average casual moviegoer come Christmas time. Hey, the family's home. What are we going to go see? I think those, th- those two kind of are going to do the work on their own. Yeah. Now I could be I could be wrong on all this, but like yeah. my vibe on that is all that. Aquaman, I think they are like just get it out and get it done. I think yeah. they are like let's not wait on Aquaman. Let's get this out and done. I think DC and Warner Brothers want to get through these movies as quickly as they can and just go full steam ahead on the Gunniverse. So they're like I don't give a shit. 
get this billion dollar movie out there and get it done and get it like let get them out and get them clean like let's just be done with it um so i mean i think that's kind of what's happening i think you're kind of seeing this nobody wants to move every movie indefinitely until the strike is over so i think there's these calculations of which ones do we think and look given audiences uh movie going habits it's like you're gambling in a casino like who the hell knows but i think to their best efforts they're saying we think these people are going to go to these we should wait i think the happiest people right now are uh everybody working on the marvels which now gets to be an imax screens because dune moved out of the way so marvels gets uh, a little bit of a boost of being in some uh, bigger theaters bigger screens than they were going to um which i think you know marvel and disney are probably happy about as far as the strike I think the fact that, you know, to you, to you, what you were saying, it kind of feels like we're rebooting. We're back at the beginning. Everyone's fighting. Yeah. Everyone's doing whatever. I think that's, that's more weird. a sign of like, I don't want to be, I don't want to say it's winding down, but I think Ooh. with, with, with one side leaking stuff and the other side making these strong points being like, look, that this is barely anything. I think the studio's, it's a losing battle for the studios. Like it doesn't really cost them that much at the end of the day. And they're, and they're going to continue to lose money. Like, yes, there are writers and actors who are striking right now, who are struggling, who do not have a ton of income, who really are like, I was talking to a writer friend of ours recently in New York. And she Mm. was like, I am digging into my savings. This is really bad. I, I, you know, there's a lot of struggle happening. Um, and there's less struggle happening on the studio side. So I think to yeah. your point of the narrative, I think the narrative is pretty clear for everybody on who is in the right and who's in the wrong here. Um, hopefully these big swings and these big things coming out in the media are a sign that people are on their like last, like, well, let's try this and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, I think there's gonna, I feel like September, October is where we're going to be end up. I really? hope. Really? I hope. Wow. All right. Fair point. I want to hope for that too. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like 2024 feels more realistic, but you might be right, Michael. Shannon, your thoughts on this? Dune 2 being moved, uh, but these other films not being moved, including your Aquaman 2. And um, what you think about how, how the, uh, these recent uh, conversations about the strike are going? Well, in terms of the movies, um, you know, generally a, a studio's uh, strategy is not to have one movie release after the other yeah. because you don't want to cannibalize your own audience. Um, in terms of not moving the musicals, Wonka coming out December 15th. That's right as schools are about to get out. Mm. And again, that's a big like like families are going to ha- unless you're traveling, you're going to need something to do. And that's when a lot of folks go to the movies. And Wonka, at least from the first trailer, seems like this is going to be a big um, whimsical, magical film that you want to take the family to. Mm. Um, Color Purple coming out on December 25th. That's that's a that's a very normal prestige yeah. film release date. Um, especially with musicals. Like I, I remember Les Mis came out on, on Christmas Day. So those two, 10 days, that's that's a good amount of time that, okay, whoever's going to see Wonka probably at that point has seen it, but also the Color Purple audience is not may not necessarily be, like you're not going to bring your little kids to Color Purple. That's more your, your award-seeking audience. Um, Aquaman being right there smack in the middle, um, I do think Vogel is right. It's sort of a... Let's wash our hands of this uh, of this uh. current chapter <laughs> um, and just kind of get it out there. And again, the first Aquaman movie, when it came out, I mean, it, it was coming out the same time as the Emily Blunt, Mary Poppins. And the expectations True. is that Mary Poppins was going to demolish Aquaman. Yeah. And the reverse happened. Aquaman ended up making a bunch of money. So I, I think they're kind of, you know, crossing their fingers that like, hey, we did it once. Um, and despite my love of that character, I don't think that's a great movie. But a lot of people went to go see it. And yeah. again, general audiences still really like Jason Momoa. So I think there's a chance. Do I think it's going to repeat the first film's box office? Probably not. Um, but I do think people are going to go check it out because of because of Jason Momoa. And also, if all that's in your theaters is a bunch of musicals, every once in a while, you're going to want to go see something else. And Aquaman might be that uh, might be that option. I don't know what you're in talking ter- about. I would go see musicals all day long. <laughs> and, and, and you are exactly like everyone in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I keep saying. 
Um, as to the strike, I mean, yeah, John, I- I'm kind of more with you because yeah. because hopefully, hopefully this round of negotiations does result in an agreement between the writers and yeah. the AMPTP. But after that, you got to ne- negotiate with the actors again. Um, so that could be, I mean, I think more than likely if, if the writers come to a deal that they are happy with, my guess is that the actors will be like, we want something similar to that. Mm. And I don't think the AMPTP will do it right away. I think they're going to draw things out as they have done, hoping like, uh, maybe we can get a little bit back. Um, so I mean, unfortunately I'm kind of more on your side that 2024, 2024, I mean, yeah, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I yeah, hope I'm wrong. I, I mean, we all do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know a lot of folks, um, you know, we just want to start auditioning again. I mean, not everything is struck like there. You can still do short films like you can, you know, commercials are still shooting. And, you know, those auditions are coming in much less frequently. But when you do get one, you're so excited. Um, so that's kind of my thought. And the Writers Guild has been very... Um, uh, transparent with yeah. everything that is every time something leaks, they're just like, look, we didn't do this. Yeah. Here you go. And the AMPTP to my knowledge is not coming out saying, we don't know how this got out there. It's just sort of, you know, like it, it, it seems pretty clear. And the whole idea that they released their latest offer, hoping to kind of um, divide the writers guild really kind of blew up in their face. Even though people see things in it that they're like, Oh, this, this is a good start, but you know, fuck you, you know, that you're, 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 you're not negotiating in good faith right now. Yeah. And I think the writers are sensing like they have the upper hand right now. Right. In terms of um, optics and that hopefully they can hold out long enough to get the deal that they do yeah. desperately deserve. It, yeah. it does feel like, um, and I think it's because of other groups striking. I like I just for whatever reason, and you know, obviously actors and writers striking together at the same time. That despite the fact that there are just hundreds of actors and writers that are really struggling right now, really yeah. like you know, digging into savings, looking at their bank accounts. A lot of concern, but there just seems to be this confidence and strength in we are doing the right thing. We really need to do this. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it really feels like on one side there is a we feel very in the right on this. We know that what we're asking for is not too much. We know that what we're asking for is correct for the work that we do. And on the other side, you have this sort of mealy mouth this is gonna cost us so much money and then the proof is that it's not really yeah so you're sort of like there's it's just such an extreme like to shannon's point the optics at least for right now are pretty extremely in the clear now granted we live in hollywood and we have lots of friends who are actors and writers so maybe we're biased so let us know in the comments if you disagree but uh that's how it that's how it seems from where i'm sitting yeah in, in our bubble in our uh People that we know, it's what it feels like is that, you know, the creators are in the right, the studios are in the wrong, but you're starting to see people pop up on social media, people maybe in the Midwest, other areas who are saying like, just, you know, just take whatever they're offering. You know, that's what's important. You know, you're just, you know, you're not working a blue collar job, these kinds of things. You see the sentiment and, and it's not big right now. I think there is a breaking point that's going to come at some, at some point sometime this year. Uh, and if it's not resolved by next year, certainly early next year, I think where we're going to start to see much more splintering on all sides on all yeah. of this. And then eventually there's a breaking point where if the fans start to turn on everything or the moviegoers start to turn, on everything, that's when you really are going to see people come to the, the forefront. It's like sports. As soon as the fans get super upset, all of a sudden the owners and the players can figure shit out and, and write the contract. And, and maybe that's what's going because they could solve this in a day. I think right now it's about brand saving on all sides. So you don't look like you're giving in because certainly the leaders for WGA and the leaders for SAG after don't want to look weak to their members. The AMPT people don't want to look weak to their investors and board members. So it's all about mm-hmm. negotiating and saving face or saving face rather at this point in the negotiation. So we'll see. Uh, the moving of Dune, I, I, you know, it's a legendary. Legendary is the one that forced them. Warner Brothers isn't moving their other ones. They're not 
uh, produced by other companies. Legendary is the one, because as you said, Michael, I think you're right. They have a huge international cast. They want that international cast to promote it and push it. It just may be a situation where they're shooting themselves in the foot because they might not have as, as many IMAX screens in March as they right. would have had here in this situation. So we'll see how that affects them uh, going forward for sure. I will yeah. tell you, Daniel yeah. Vogel. Daniel is very upset about this Dune move. He is. Oh, he is very upset. My brother cares more about that Dune move than he cares about pretty much anything else in his <laughs> life right now. He was very, very upset. What? What do you mean? Do I do it more? Do I do it more? What the fuck is going on? All this shit. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, Shannon's going to take us into the world of trailers right after this. Hopefully they'll come to a deal so we can see more stuff. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of stuff that's coming out, Shannon, we got trailers. Take it away. We do. We got trailers. Trailers. We're only covering two today because one of those trailers is more like five movies in one. But the first one we're going to start off with is the Red Band trailer. <laughs> for Expendables 4. <laughs> so there is a type of trailer that started being released in like the early 90s that you would have the you know this Mr. Trailer voice in a world. And that that trailer has kind of seen its day. They they don't do a ton of those anymore. They do still happen. But this Red Band trailer for Expendables 4 is to me it absolutely hilarious because they bring back Mr. Trailer voice Who's <laughs> where they're saying, you know, you, you, you spoke and we heard you about how everyone was upset that Expendables 3 was PG-13. We want it R. We want all the blood and guts. And so we get a red band trailer full, full of CGI heads exploding and blood splatter. It's like it's like I did actually go back to see like the box office receipts from the first three Expendables movies. And uh, the the first one domestically did the best. It, it, yes, it, it came, I think it finished at around 90 million. But uh, internationally, it did it did pretty well. I think worldwide it finished at around 250. I think the okay. second one, the domestic went down, but the international went up. It finished uh, at a little over 300. And then, then the third one came out and domestically did not do well, but internationally kind of saved its bacon. And it, it came out to around what the first movie came out to be. So this one, they're they're leaning into the blood and guts. <laughs> <laughs> not really considering the fact that in the Expendables 3, there were 85 people in it, um, yeah. most of whom we didn't know who they were. But again, th this this movie is made for a very particular type of movie cover. Yeah. Probably a dude that grew up in the 80s that remembers watching Stallone and Schwarzenegger and, you know, to, to a lesser extent, your Van Dams and your Seagals. Um this movie just looks ridiculous. Um, but if this is your thing, you're probably really, really going to enjoy it. So, gentlemen, I'll throw it over to you. What did you think of our second look at Expendables 4? Johnny, oh. take it away. Look, there's no bigger Stallone fan than me. And I'll say that till the death, till my death. I'd say it, the trailer is very interesting for three reasons. One, that's a lot of fake CGI blood and obviously fake CGI blood. Two, this looks like it was shot in a warehouse with a lot of green screen and no volume. It's a green screen. Like, I, can, I probably shot some scenes with my green screen, for God's sakes. Which, uh, and the third thing is this. I love how they cherry-picked certain comments and left out the other comments like, hey, can you direct a better movie? Hey, can we get a better? You wanted a better script. We got you one. You wanted better actors. We got you the... No, the reason three failed is because he tried to shove in too many terrible bad actors and too many people who do who do other things like MMA or boxing or UFC, and it really was a bad mix. Now going into this one, the talent level is even uh, the chasm between Stallone and Statham and everybody else is massive, and I do include Megan Fox, not a talented actor. I don't give what the fuck you say. It, it just it's just the chasm is so huge. That it's even less. I mean, no one's given 50 cent a fucking award for God's sake. So all these things. So to me, that's where the problem lies in this. Plus, they're getting really long in the tooth, man. And at some point, it just becomes unrealistic. Getting. 
Well, fair. I mean, when, when Chuck Norris showed up and could barely walk down the street, I think oh. it was in the second one, you're just like, oh, what is happening here? But I'll enjoy it for what it is. Now, I just think they're almost out of breath, especially when you see stuff like John Wick 4 and these other films that really do appeal to the action side of you that enjoyed these movies in the 1980s. We're seeing quality action films that are coming out. So something like Expendables 4 feels like you're you're lowering the bar rather than meeting the bar and that's i think it's going to be an unfortunate they're gonna they're, this thing is gonna bomb like crazy but yeah mikey what do you think <laughs> i mean look it's in the title this movie's expendable like come on like this there's there's, there's the guys come on i mean john is right it and even like what they're going for, like the tongue in cheek, like you asked for it, R rated, yeah. blah, blah, blah. The entire thing looks like a direct to DVD movie that like they spent $3 on. Like it is. Yeah, it looks bad. And you're, I mean, you're right. Like there, I think the first Expendables movie had a certain kind of. Yeah. This is so ridiculous. And look at this cast. And it was like, yeah. it was what it was. You're like the pro the, the fun of expendables is look at all of these badasses that we remember. And we put them all in one movie and put them on a crazy adventure. Once the badasses are getting less badass and you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of know who that is. Uh, yeah. I guess that person's all right. Like you're like, I'm, I'm way less interested in this. Like this doesn't really do it. And then the CGI blood and the obviously over the top stuff. You're like, eh, I don't think that's what people were asking for. Like, I don't think, I think you, <laughs> I think you, you didn't, it's not what they meant. So who is this movie for? I mean, this movie at this point is for Stallone's bank account. And yes. the yeah. studio. I mean, like, it's not, I, I don't know that they're really making this for anybody at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it, well, even the fact that they took Stallone's name off the top, I mean, it's, it's and Sylvester Stallone. Right. I mean, you right, right. you kind of get the sense like, okay, he's going to be taking a, 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 a much less prominent role in this. This is really Jason Statham's story, him getting back with his ex-wife, girlfriend, the relationship is a little nebulous. The first trailer at the beginning, I'm like, I don't know if Megan Fox is his girlfriend or his daughter. Uh, and then yeah. it gets to a certain point, like, okay, yep, girlfriend, girlfriend, it's girlfriend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember watching that first Expendables movie and having an absolute blast and and, rec and acknowledging, like, this is not a good movie. But the fact that you've got Stallone, Schwarzenegger popped up in a cameo, Dolph Lundgren's pocket up. It's like, okay, th this, this is fun for what it is. By the time you get to Expendables, three and you've got again 85 people and one of them is kelsey Grammer in a bucket hat it's like okay maybe maybe it's time to put this one to put this one on ice but you know what let's go back you know what audiences are clamoring for frazier <laughs> well we'll find out that see the uh the reboot's coming they already released a release date of that frazier but we'll see mike but if you've ever wanted to see what kelsey Grammer looks like in uh fishing attire <laughs> expendables three is for you I think once you put Kelsey Grammer in your franchise, it's pretty much over. As soon as he showed up as Beast, it was over. Okay? I was about to say that when you think of like when you think of like where we are at now with superhero movies and superhero casting, like they were like Kelsey Grammer was Beast, y'all. Kelsey Grammer was Beast, and he popped up at the end of Days of Future Past. Yes, he did. That I liked. But that I liked. That was fine. That like Kelsey Grammer walking down the hallway of the X Mansion. Wearing a nice suit with his beast thing going, good morning, Logan. I'm like, yeah, that feels like Hank McCoy. Okay. I don't like to see Frazier doing acrobatics in a, in a blue gorilla suit. Like, I, it's just not, I get that, like, you're like, okay, I can see the idea that, oh, Frazier, Hank McCoy. I can see the connect. I can see where they went. But then you see him and you're just like, oh, man, this well, <laughs> There's a moment, like, I know we've gotten on a, off a huge tangent. I knew we were going to have a tangent at some point in this show. <laughs> but but the, the whole thing when he and Logan are having their third act bonding moment, oh. and Hank McCoy's talking about sort of like the, the elements of negotiation. He goes, ah, you know what I mean? I'm like, that's not Hank McCoy, that's Sideshow Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I 
would love it if he'd showed up whistling tossed salad and scrambled eggs as he was walking by some movies get a little bit some movies get a little bit better with time <laughs> x3 is not one of those movies no not even a little bit Expendables 4 comes out September 22nd. <laughs> I can't believe we talked about Expendables 4 this fall. <laughs> like, it, it's a shame because you see, you know, you just see all these other great action films and you would hope for this for Stallone. Because, by the way, c- contemporary of Tom Cruise, I mean, these guys came out in the 80s. You see Tom Cruise doing something like Mission Impossible 7 and you see Stallone doing something like this. It's just a shame. It's just a shame. And the, the kitsch factor, it's like, it's like Brana. Right, the more of these Agatha Christie things he does, the less interesting they become, and the cast becomes less talented. Yeah, each time. so yeah. I mean, but you're <laughs> like, like, like Stallone was great in Creed. Yes, you know, yeah. like that was great. Both like of, that yes. was like, yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, Stallone in Creed. Like, there's, there's a. He's fun in Tulsa at, King too. He's pretty. Yeah, 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 as you as, King. as you as you get older, yeah, there are ways to sort of find those roles that still. Yeah. Speak to your fans, speak to the people that have always loved you. And like, I think, and to Shan's point, I think the first Expendables movie was that. And you're like, guys, let's just have a fucking blast. Let's do this. It's yeah. like, by the time you get to the fourth one, uh, why are we talking about this? Let's talk about Rebel Moon. We're going <laughs> to, let's, let's go. Let's go, Shannon. Yeah, tell so. us about, tell us about the four minute teaser trailer. <laughs> so we got our first teaser trailer yeah. <laughs> for Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon that clocked in at about three minutes and 40 seconds. <laughs> um, this is a visual feast for the eyes. Like there, you know, no one will ever, ever argue the fact that Zack Snyder knows how to make a pretty, pretty picture. I mean, across the board, like it looks really good. What this movie is, you kind of get it. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. there was a princess. She had to go into exile. Now this new ruler's coming to look for the princess for reasons. And then we see a griffin or two. And then there's a spider person. And and Zack Snyder, you know, he uh, he had talked about this. This was originally going to be his pitch for a Star Wars movie. And, you know, he gets some he gets some laser swords in there, too. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, the first one comes out in 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 december but gentlemen what do you think of our first very long look at rebel moon mikey our Z- our resident Zack snyder lover <laughs> go to town I, mean, I will say that this trailer was exactly what i would expect from Zack snyder uh you know i think when we first were talking about rebel moon and how it, originally he was pitching for star Wars and then that didn't happen. And he's had this idea forever. And I was like, I'm, I'm very happy that he's making his sci-fi movie over here on Netflix and he's not in the star Wars universe. And look, this is to your point. If you love Zack Snyder, I mean, you have sweeping vistas, slow-mo shots, like the works, like this is Zack Snyder, Zack Snydering at his most Zack Snyderiest. Like it is, He's going for it. And when the trailer started, I'm like, okay, cool. Nice voiceover. Do you know the story of the lost princess? Big mythology in space, space opera stuff. Cool. Love this. Okay, some Nazi people. Cool, cool, cool. Like, so big soldiers. All right. Is that a griffin behind that guy? No. Yeah, that is a griffin. Okay. Like, it. Is there a romance? Is, does this girl love a robot? Is she kissing the robot with flowers around the robot's head? Like, there. it went from, like, Okay, I kind of I I lost the thread of the movie in three minutes. Like I'm like there is so much going on here, and having seen all of Zack Snyder's movies, my confidence that that's all going to come together in a cohesive narrative is low. Like it looks all over the place. I also think there's a level of like homage, and then there's a level of like. Okay, you're doing the gladiator shot, except it's a robot's hand. So you're like, it's gladiator, it's Star Wars, it's how to train your dragon, it's like worlds of Warcraft, it's a little bit of everything. And we got to the end, I was watching it with my brother, and my brother goes, the hell is this movie about? And I'm like, (laughs) I don't know, but I think you should definitely take an edible when you watch it. He's like, oh, I'm definitely taking an edible when I watch this thing. Like, it's wild. That being said, if you love Zack Snyder... My yeah. guess is this movie's going to come out and you are going to be like, this is an instant classic. This is one of the greatest sci-fi movies ever told. I love it. I think you are going to love this movie and I think I will enjoy watching it for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, this look like this is Snyder Snydering all over the place. Where Army of the Dead 
was his way to go back to how he kind of made his name with Dawn of the Dead, that version of his that he did. Yep. He went back to that after all the drama with Warner Brothers and all the stuff going on with Justice League. He, Justice League, he did that to remind people that he can keep it simple, still tell like a big story, but keep it simple. This is him like with all the fucking um, barriers down and no restrictions to create a massive vision of what he wants to do. Yes, is he borrowing liberally from other things? Sure, but look, you know, some of the greatest songs have samples, right? The Big D Energy that everybody loved last year, that's the Tom Tom Club from 1981, by the way. That's the foundation for that song. So some things you can borrow from and still do your own twist on them and make it work. So I'm not bashing Zach like other people did and some of these snarky fucking writers on these sites did and went after him. Uh, I enjoy the fact that he's taken a massive swing with this and we'll see if it works. And look, it's a two-parter. That's insane. That's the hubris of Zack Snyder. And to add even to hubris square himself, he already says there's a director's cut of this movie, which is insane to me to reveal that in interviews. So basically you're saying I'm watching this version, but there's apparently a longer version that you've got that I am going to get to see at some point. It is just an interesting way to promote this movie to say that there's a longer version at some point down the road. But here, watch this one for now. Uh, it's just kind of watch, weird watch to this two parter. Do you think there's a director's yeah. cut of the teaser trailer? <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. There's a director's cut. It's an hour long. The director's <laughs> cut of the trailer. <laughs> but, but I did enjoy the visuals. This is where Zach kills it every time. The visuals you can never deny that in any of his movies. But Michael brings up an excellent point. Is the story going to work? I'm not a big fan of the cast in terms of their ability to be the lead and make me interested in their characters and tell cohesive stories. Sofia Batella is a good actress. Charlie Hunnam is a good actress. Jamin Hansu is fantastic. If you go see Gran Turismo this weekend, he is excellent in that movie. And there are things he does in that movie he's never done anything that I've ever seen him do. And so there's a good cast. Anthony Hopkins doing the narration. But overall, I don't see a lead star that I'm going to connect to and follow in this movie. So that's my concern. Will he tell a cohesive story? Will he have incredible emotional weightiness and punches? Or will it all just be visually incredible, uh, uh, visually incredible scenes that don't really land emotionally because you couldn't find the, the strong enough actors to bring them forward? So I have, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I, I'm so looking forward to this because I want to enjoy I this experience. I will say some. There was an article I read. This is a compliment. I will give Zack Snyder a compliment. Um, mark it in the time code. Um, yes. I read an article a while back. It was after Jupiter Ascending came out. Um, oh, but it was about the Wachowskis. It was about the Wachowskis. And it just yeah. said, and I think it, it's even more true now than it was then. Like in this era of, and we're going to get into it talking about Ahsoka. In this era sure. of these massive IPs that have continuity and consumer products and theme park connections and all this stuff. And you kind of, at their worst, you feel like you're on this assembly line and like yeah, yeah. you put the pieces together, you put it out, you put the pieces together, you put it out. And you know, you, that's where we talk about, do we have superhero fatigue? Do we have star Wars fatigue? Is star Wars too confusing? Now we get into all these things and having people out there like the Wachowskis, like Zack Snyder, who just are like, fuck it all. And just swing that bat as hard as they can swing that yeah, bat yeah. and sometimes hit big and sometimes are just like, what? I mean, I'll defend Speed Racer till the day I die. I fucking love that movie. I don't care what anybody says. But like yeah. you, Jupiter Ascending, I believe the three of us saw Jupiter Ascending together oh. in the Cinerama Dome and we're like, the fuck? is yeah. this and rebel moon as a trailer was giving me some serious jupiter ascending vibes so how dare you how i do so i do you? feel like i do feel like we, i most likely will watch this movie and kind of come out going like it's beautiful the fuck even happened but you gotta kind of love somebody who's like at Zack snyder's level who's like i had this idea when i was a kid I wrote it all in some notebooks, and I'll be goddamned if I'm not going to have my guy fly that fucking Griffin on Netflix, and y'all are going to love it. Like, there, as much as I yeah. don't necessarily love Zack Snyder's aesthetic as a storyteller, you got to give him credit. Like, it's wild. Yeah. Like, this literally, that is the thing. This trailer does look like a 10-year-old kid's fever dream of the movie he wants to make one day. Shannon, 
do you think you – I feel like I glimpsed Zack Snyder smirking in the editing bay of for this trailer with that um, – his version of Ahsoka Tano with two lightsabers uh, <laughs> dropping this trailer the same week that Ahsoka Tano was dropping both of those episodes. I just have a feeling that he was like, <laughs> watch me fuck with these guys. I just can <laughs> see it. You know, so, yeah. Anyway. It, you know, uh, again, like they do have a limited um, theatrical release planned yes. after December 22nd. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I would want to see this because oh, yeah. this looks like it is made dis despite all the things that our home entertainment systems can do now. Um, this seems like it needs to be shown on the biggest screen possible because uh, the, the visuals, as you all have already stated, the visuals are dynamic like there's never going to be a situation where like boy that special effect didn't look good um i do feel like when Zack snyder is a little self-serious with things um his story needs to be very simply told like 300 um army of the dead if you're if he's kind of having fun which granted you know there's some serious moments in army of the dead but i mean for the most part army of the dead was a big was a big uh fun zombie shoot 'em up um that's i, I think it, like if you want to get complicated maybe it should be funny self-serious with this large a uh, large uh, uh, a scope, um, seems like it it is going to be a challenge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you guys, I am uh, I'm interested to see this. Uh, Rebel Moon uh, Part One: Child of Fire comes out uh, December twenty second on Netflix with a limited theatrical release planned afterwards. Yeah. Hope we get a screener for that one. I want to see it on the big screen. Um, all right. So let's take a quick break, and then we'll jump into our last topic here on the Geek Buddies right after this. Oh, no. That's Rogue One. Nope. Never mind. Close. Close. <laughs> uh, well. Mr. Bogle, please take it away. Don't know if you know this, but Ahsoka has premiered on Disney+. Plus. Um, and unless you are living under a geek rock, uh, everyone's talking about Ahsoka. We're talking about Ahsoka, uh, leading up to the launch of Ahsoka, plenty of websites and news outlets gave you the, what do you need to know about Ahsoka Tano and Rebels leading up to it, including us. Yes. Um, we have our spoiler review of the first two episodes up on the Outlaw Nation page. You can check it out right now. Um, and although generally I think we all very much enjoyed it and uh, had a couple little quibbles, but like really had a good time, there's definitely been a reaction um, from certain people, certain news outlets that um, Ahsoka as a series very much feeling like a Rebels season five, a continuation of a lot of what Filoni, the stories that Filoni was telling both in Clone Wars and Rebels is too steeped in Star Wars lore, too steeped in continuity to make it accessible to non-star hardcore Star Wars fans. Um, I had a friend say that it felt a little gatekeepery, that you just it's just inaccessible, that there's too much you need to know. Um, and so there's a big concern. And there's been some articles written about this. I think AV Club was writing about it, just saying that like if you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, great. But if you come in cold, there's no way you can get into this. Now I did a very uh, unscientific poll yesterday on Twitter asking people uh, who had not seen Clone Wars or Rebels who did watch Ahsoka what they thought. And, you know, most for the most part, people said, well, we listened to Geek Buddies and we listened to a lot of other things and I think we knew what we needed to know. But, you know, I think there is this concern and it echoes a lot of what people are saying when they talk about Marvel fatigue right now that mm. phase ones, two and three, we were on board by phase five with all of the TV shows and movies and continuity and multiverses. Um, you sort of need a textbook to go into a Marvel movie right now. So as we're building these big connected universes, which Marvel, you know, sort of led the way with, but Star Wars came on strong second, DC about to dive into the same thing. The question is for both, both from a kind of macro standpoint and a micro standpoint on Star Wars, are connected universes becoming too big and unwieldy? Is it too hard to jump on board without watching seasons of a television show or 23 movies? And with Ahsoka specifically, did they do a good job kind of setting things up for the non-initiated or are they too steeped in their own stuff? So gentlemen, uh, I think all of us are actually pretty well informed on Star Wars, but what do you think? Like, how do you feel about this? Like, do you think they did a good job? Do you think it's like too much 
to drop on somebody everything about Ahsoka, everything about Sabine, everything about Ezra, everything about Thrawn. Like, what was your guys' feelings about the episodes? You know, so I watched it with my wife. Um, you know, she is she she likes Star Wars sort of on like a on a on a in a limited capacity. Like, she's obviously not a huge Star Wars fan like I am, but she also grew up in the eighties, so she's very aware of it. Um, she's not a prequel fan. She's not a big sequel trilogy fan, but she does still she does still like the the universe. Um, before we watched that first episode, I did make her watch a like twelve minute. Uh, 12 minute video on YouTube about like everything you need to know before Ahsoka. Cool. So glad we got you, to the uh, end of it. didn't show her the Geek Buddies episode. That maybe would have been better, but cool. This video had visuals. Okay. Just oh. calm down. <laughs> yep. Roka, Roka's not watching Strawberry. You're not. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> fuck my, fuck um, my drag. This, this, this guy wants visuals. Okay. All right. <laughs> Here I come. Oh, here I come. Oh. What's visuals? Jesus, <laughs> this guy. All right, yes, go ahead. Yes. At the end of that video, I'm kind of like, okay, so that's basically Ahsoka. Do you get it? <laughs> and she went, ah, I, I kind of have an idea who is who, but we'll see. She watched the first episode and she really enjoyed it. We watched the second episode again. She would ask a question. She would ask a question here and here and there, but for the most part, she was able to understand it and was able to follow it and enjoyed it enough. Um, I think for the uninitiated, like Dave Filoni had said in an interview, like you don't have to know Clone Wars or Rebels to enjoy this show. The only context that we're kind of giving them is that opening crawl. Yeah. And, you know, they established that Ahsoka is a former Jedi. She has taken a she captured an ally of this guy Thrawn. And it's a few years after the second Death Star exploded. Like that's kind of it. Um, again, for us, it's kind of impossible to say because we're in that vacuum mm. of like, we know, uh, we've seen everything, we know everything. Um, so it was just sort of a natural, it, it, natural progression for us. Now, I haven't seen a ton of folks say like, I am completely lost. Like, I have no idea what's going on. I think if you have seen a Star Wars movie, you know who the Empire is. You know who the rebellion was, and and it, I think it's a pretty easy line to follow that this is now the people who are in charge. They won; they're in charge now. Um, so with uh, Ahsoka specifically, uh, again, I haven't seen a ton where people are like, "I have no idea what's going on." I'm out. Um, I have seen like, I don't really know who these people are. I don't have the affection for them. So maybe sort of the emotional introduction to some of the characters. Maybe it could have used a, a, a little fine tuning, maybe. Yeah. And with Marvel, I mean, talking about like you need to have a textbook now to kind of catch up on everything. Um, I think it's less to do with the amount that's going on and more to do with the quality. Mm. And yeah. like like if it's if it's a solid if, if it's a solid, entertaining movie, you're going to come out solidly entertained. I mean, it's like people who would watch Tenant and be like, I have no idea what happened. But man, that was entertaining. So I think it's less to do with the clearness of the story and more to do with the um, entertainment value of the story. Yeah, I have to agree with you uh, on that point, Shannon, because I think because we are human beings who are capable of quite a lot of things in our minds. You know, you the same people who can quote you stats from 1975 of a player somehow go, oh, it's too much to remember all this stuff. So these are the things that I think are convenient when you're not being entertained. If you are being entertained, you will retain this stuff. It will be important to you to want to know all this stuff and learn all this stuff, right? What you're seeing, though, I think is a lot of things going on at the same time for people who may not want to get caught up on Ahsoka. Some people are upset because they feel like, why do I have to watch all this stuff? It feels like homework. It wouldn't feel like homework if you were being entertained and it was good quality. The other part of it is there is bias towards animation. There is bias towards animated stuff. You guys know, you guys work in the field. You know it. The voiceover actors are not seen by some people as really acting when they do voiceover work. Animated films sometimes are seen as cartoons and these kinds of things that are meant to kind of denigrate it or make it seem lesser than. So people don't feel motivated to watch it. They feel like, oh, well, I don't, I feel like I'm a child if I watch animated stuff without realizing there's a lot of mature shit that goes on. A lot of, especially in Rebels, there's a lot of dark stuff that goes on that ve veers into mature areas in some of the stuff that they encounter and they tackle. 
So they don't want to jump into it. So it's that kind of thing that you're seeing. And, and it's just unfortunate because all those things at once, I think, are combining to keep people away from watching it. But I also think there's a little bit of a laziness here because, there, as Shannon just pointed out, there are numerous videos on YouTube you can watch for 12 to 15 minutes instead of scrolling TikTok for 12 to 15 minutes. You could watch a video for 12 to 15 minutes that will get you updated and, get, and, and take care of you, visuals or not, that'll take care of you and you'll understand what's going on. And but people see that as like, no, I need to be catered to. I need it. And so it's a lot of stuff going on at the same time. I do respect people who feel like, OK, it's all too much. I can't get it. I get it. But if you want to be motivated to do it, there are options available as opposed to the 1980s. You'd have to wait and buy the magazine, which comes out only monthly. And maybe they'll give you some background stuff that you need. But most of these people hadn't seen the episodes yet. So. There's a difference now. There's much more accessibility to information to get you caught up and updated. It's up to you to want to make that effort um, uh, to get caught up, you know? So, but yeah, well, I, I one, get the complaints. Yeah, Mike's. One of the things that I find interesting, though, um, is mm. at least from what I've seen from um, some other of the geek websites that are out there, some of like uh, the different articles that I've read, some of the people I've talked to, the yeah. people that are saying Ahsoka is too confusing are actually the hardcore Star Wars fans. That I like, like in talk that, that they are saying this is too confusing for non-Star Wars fans. Like the oh. complaints, the complaints are coming from inside the building. Like <laughs> there are people who are who are as steeped in Star Wars as we are, and right. they are going, guys. I think Lucasfilm fucked it up. Like they've made it too hard. It's too niche now, um, and it's just too much for people. Now, in talking to people on Twitter and talking to some other people, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are having a similar reaction to, uh, to Mrs. McClung, um, mm -hmm. to, to, to Shannon's lady. Um, I think that we've got people who are like, yeah, like it kind of made sense. I think that there's a lot of people bringing their baggage of everything yes. that we know yeah. from Star Wars and Rebels and saying, if you don't know all of that, you're gonna be confused. And I think generally, people who are coming in fresh are maybe having a couple of questions, but not overly confused. So I think it's a very interesting sort of thing that's happening. And what I'm seeing is a lot of people taking stuff that they think is going to be in the show. Right. And saying, well, if you don't know this, well, if you don't know the world between worlds, and that's very confusing. I'm like, nobody in Ahsoka has mentioned the world between worlds. We talked right. about it. People are talking about it in their updates, but nobody else has mentioned it yet. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, and in, to be fair, I do think maybe there's a couple of things that Ahsoka could have done. Having a character that wasn't as familiar with everything kind of saying like, well, wait, what happened to Thrawn? Yeah. You know, like how, like explain this to me. And like, it, I think there's little things that maybe they could have done. But overall, I think they were very choiceful in, you know, like there's no mention of Kanan. Or, right. or, or her or son. Kanan and Hera's, or Kanan and Hera's son, Jason. Yeah. Zeb is not mentioned. Right. You know, they, they, they kind of like honed it down to, okay, you got to know that Ezra took Thrawn away. They haven't really kind of gotten into the details of space whales. We've just seen them flying in the sky, but Purgil are definitely going to play a part and I'm sure they'll explain it. But I think that, and even with Ahsoka's past, like the main thing you need to know about Ahsoka is she walked away from Anakin right. um, and she says that. Now you don't know that that she was framed for a mur for a, for murdering somebody and it was really Barriss Offie and like there was all this other stuff and I think again as people are talking about who is uh, Maruk Maruk yeah. Maruk right Maruk. who Maruk. is Maruk and people are like well yeah. I think it's Barriss Offie I'm like well that would be confusing you'd have to know a lot so I think that there's a lot of people bringing their baggage of what they know and saying, well, if you don't know everything that I know, it's not gonna be good. I also think, John, you're 100% right. There does seem to be this weird bias to animation. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, you know, to I think to Lucasfilm and Star Wars and Filoni and everybody's credit, when Rogue One came out and they mentioned General Syndulla and you saw Chopper and the ghost was there. I mean, that was one of the first times that a giant movie franchise really legitimized their animated shows and they've mm -hmm. only continued to do that from there like they've only continued to make more references bringing ahsoka into mandalorian was the biggest thing they did and then you know zeb showing up in mandalorian season yeah. three bo katan showing up the story of the dark saber like they have just continually been saying over and over and over again guys this this animated stuff is this is real Star Wars. And right. now that the Ahsoka series has come out, you're all of a sudden seeing people be like, wait, so I have to watch the animation? And you're like, they've been telling you that for a while now. Yeah. So I do think it's really interesting. I, I, I don't know. I'm interested to see. 
how the show progresses and how people are responding to it. But as much as like half of uh, Star Wars fans seem really like, hey, this is great. This feels Star Wars to me. I'm super on board. This is great. There does seem to be this other half of Star Wars fans, as is typically the case, that are uh, very sort of um, arms folded, watching it through slitted eyes, being like, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we we can't forget like 1970, what's seven? 1977 when Star Wars came out. It was chapter four. It was episode four. So we were already knee deep into this story and they were handing us, Lucas was handing us all this stuff and we didn't know what was going on. So we were all in unison in the same place. I think what's also an element of maybe people's frustration is some people are ahead of me in this story rather than all of us coming in cold. Because I think coming in cold, I think you get little mystery. Okay, this person seems important. There was a person that she cared about that was gone. They had a fractured relationship. They're figuring it out. This is a friend of hers that they're all trying to work together. We've got these evil people on the side. And there's this guy, Thrawn, kind of like Vader, that was introduced in 1977. We don't know much about him. If you're coming in cold, we don't know much about him, but he seems evil and they're trying to stop him. And one side's trying to bring him forward. Great. I got the basic gist of what's yeah. happening. So, but you, you, but because some people are ahead, I think you're seeing some people being upset about that or people's feelings of like being told to what being told what to do come into the whole thing rather than just watching the damn recaps, which are not that long and getting aware of this stuff. But, you know, I, I see both sides of it. It's just unfortunate that Ahsoka, uh, what I what we I think all three of us think is a good series to get caught in the middle of the grind. Of it. Yeah, and it's interesting how you had talked about how, how folks think of it as homework. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, to, to watch this, I have to do all this homework. Like, if that's if that's the point of view, then you probably really don't care that much about the right. thing that, right. that people are telling you to watch. I mean, I kind of remember this in phase three of Marvel. Like, even though those movies... Uh, starting with Avengers started to become, you know, billion dollar movies Um, leading up to infinity war. um, There were folks that had not seen everything and and were kind of like, what, but, but, but the ambient excitement was, you know, just was so everywhere that it's like, Oh, I I really want to get on this ride. And I I remember chatting with many folks who were kind of starting over, like started like, I'm going to start at Iron Man one and granted, this is before Disney Plus. I mean, you might have found some stuff on Netflix. You might have found some stuff on Amazon Prime. Right. Um, but people were going back and watching all these movies. And there were some that they like and some that they didn't like. But for the most part, at least with the folks that I chatted to, there was a fun in that discovery of, of not only am I being caught up and prepared for this thing, the, you know, I won't, there, there will be no FOMO with this. I'll be able to sit and enjoy this with everyone. But also just that the fun of discovering these new characters and these new stories. Yeah. Now, as you said, John, there is that kind of, you know, uh, uh, prejudice against animation. So people yeah. don't really have the, like the, the, the uh, idea that like, Oh, I don't want to have to watch this cartoon to watch this show. I mean, I, I, the hope is that Ahsoka gets just better and better and better. And that same feeling that happened leading up to infinity war happens like, okay, mm-hmm. Clearly, this is something I should check out. What do I need to know? And then they mm. do go back and find these things. But ultimately, if you view it like homework, then this is not something that you want to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, and, and uh, our spoiler reviews are up for episodes one and two on the channel, on the, the Outlaw Nation channel, also available on the Geek Buddies podcast feed, which is its own feed. For those of you who may not know, uh, we have that up there for you also. If you want to hear our thoughts, get our recap both on the Geek Buddy show that we did last week where we gave you a little recap on Ahsoka that Michael did so well leading. You also have our reviews, and we'll be reviewing each of these episodes every week to keep you all updated. So even if you've got your arms crossed and your eyes squinted and you're begrudgingly going along, we will take care of you if you let us take care of you, for sure. Um, all right, well, maybe, there you go. That's maybe Shannon episode. will even have Shaney watch, uh, watch uh, an episode of uh, Geek Buddies or two. <laughs> Okay. You know what? Okay. You're going to get him in trouble. You know that. You're going to get him in trouble. All right. She has watched many of our live episodes. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing when to bring the drink in and when not to bring the drink in. But yes. Um, (laughs) Thank you all so much for joining us on this episode of the Geek Buddies. We appreciate it. Madly Shannon, what do we have to tell them? 
Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel and fold your arms, it's at MK Tune. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca and squint your eyes, it's <laughs> at the Roca Says. Well, whether you know everything about geek culture or you know nothing about geek culture, you're welcome here because all geeks are equal in our eyes. Uh, and here is what you guys can do to allow us to keep geeking out with you. You can hit that like button below. You can subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content he's got there. He's mentioned some of it, but there is plenty more where that came from. Check it all out. Leave your comments below. Let us know what you think about everything. Rebel Moon, Expendables 4, Movies Moving, and Is Ahsoka Too Confusing? Let us know what you think below in the comments. If you are listening to us on the podcast feed, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments so that we go up in the rankings and more people can find that podcast feed. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. All right. Thank you all so much. Have yourselves a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of The Geek Buddies! Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.